Effective leadership requires strategic thought and difficult decisions. But what about the rest of the things in our work which we either overlook or simply miss? On this episode, I welcome the founder of Lyft to discuss how to create and track effective leadership habits. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 115. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And all of those require us to have great habits, effective habits that will help us to lead well, influence others, in order to be able to get the best possible results. And that's why I'm so excited today to welcome someone that is going to help us not only to think about that more strategically, but provide a great resource for us to get there. So I'm pleased to welcome my guest this week, Tony Stubblebine. Tony is the CEO and co-founder of Lyft. Lyft is a app and a, a service that allows you to, uh, well, I'm going to probably undersell what uh, what it does, but it allows you to track good and effective habits. And Tony's going to expand on that greatly here in just a moment. I should give some context for how Tony and I got connected originally. Uh, If you've been listening to the show for a bit, you'll remember back in episode number 109, I talked about seven online tools that will help you to do your best work. And one of the tools I mentioned that I've been using fairly recently is an app on my iPhone called Lyft. And I've been really pleasantly surprised at how much Lyft has helped me to stay cognizant of the things that are most important for me that'll help me not only personally, but actually to be able to do better and more effective work professionally too. And so uh, someone in the community actually uh, reached out to the folks at Lyft and said, hey, they heard about the app from that show. So thank you for whoever did that. And uh, the Lyft folks reached out to me and said, hey, would, uh, would you like to have Tony on the show? So I'm so glad to have you here, Tony, to talk more about Lyft and to talk more about habits. Dave, I'm so happy to be here as well. You know, the thing that I'm always interested in is the pursuit of excellence in any field. And so I think it sounds like today we're going to talk about the what habits make for a strong leader. And, you know, we have all of this research from the, from the Lyft community, got my own personal experiences, and I'm really interested to hear your take on that as well. Yeah, that's great. And that's one of the things I really love about what you're doing is uh, this really goes way beyond just um, a, a few people having been putting together an app and put it up on an app store or on a website. Um, Tony and his team have really done a lot of research around how people are actually using the app, how it's informing their behaviors, and and really taking some of the best practices from uh, leadership and communications. And so I'm, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk with you just because I know you have a really unique perspective, Tony, from just what your users have been doing with this app. But um, before we get into that, I'm wondering if maybe you could just give us a little backstory of why did you decide to build this and how did this first come about? You know, there's really three of us that made this company uh, get off the ground. And I think we all have basically the same interest, which is we want to know how do how do people succeed when they have a goal what how do they achieve it and you know basically all of us have some unmet aspiration and we just want to know the path to get there and usually what you'd find actually almost always universally what you'd find is that they got there through practice 
And so because we're technologists and we've all been working in startups for a long time, uh, we like we realized we could basically put you know a coach in your phone that's constantly guiding you towards uh, whatever it is that your goals are. And since we've launched, you know, what we found is that people have a really broad range of goals. I think there's um, a little bit more than a hundred thousand active different active goals on Lyft right now. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's cool, and you know, I think. What what was just kind of a theoretical thing as we started the company uh, has turned out to be really rewarding. You know, like uh, the like our startup history is really deep. You know, I think I was I was the head of engineering at the com- company that Twitter spun out of. My main investor and the person who co-designed it was the uh, CEO of of Twitter at one point, and my uh, co-founder John. Just worked at a number of well-respected startups out here as well, and you know we liked the work we were doing and we liked the impact. But really, we were looking for something we could consider our life's work. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's really kind of the 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 core of how Lyft got started. It's just this is what we care about. You know, it's really interesting that you talk about it in the context of having a coach kind of in your hand or in your phone, and it's interesting because as I've talked with coaches and interacted with the the you know, professional you know business or life coaching community over the years, you know one of the things that I think a lot of coaches say is that they try to move away from just kind of the um, oh, what would I even call it? Just sort of that like kind of rote accountability of like, okay, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do that? Did you do that? Like a lot of us as coaches really try to get people to be accountable to themselves on those things, and then to have our coaching conversations be something that's really um, you know, a higher level or more complex. And, but there's never really been a great substitute for that. You know, there's something to be said about someone asking you at the end of the day, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you make, did you get up on time? Like you said you were going to. Um, and I think it's great that this, this, this technology in a lot of ways, for me at least, has provided that and really easy access to that. So, yeah, I'm curious. You were giving me a little bit of background information before we started recording. What, what are the big wins for you and how you've used Lyft? Yeah, I'd say that there's been uh, several. And one of the things that's been a constant struggle for me, Tony, is just getting enough sleep. Um, I've got a lot going on in my life, personally and professionally. And the way that I tend to uh, try to compensate for doing too many things is I will sleep less. And I know that's a problem. And so when I got the Lyft app, one of the first things I did is I set up um, waking up at 5 a.m. as my goal for each day and getting in bed by 10 o'clock. And so what I noticed is that when, um, you know, when I started tracking it, I'm, it was like that little thing of like knowing it was going to be tracked. I'm a heck of a lot more likely to get in bed either at 10 o'clock or really close to it than I used to be before because there's somewhere that I have to hit or report on it, or I know it's going to be tracked if I don't do it. And I've noticed the same thing getting up on time is I don't do it 100% of the time, but I'm about 80, 90% consistent now because I know that if I, you know, I'll, I'll wake up at 5 a.m. when the alarm goes off and I know that if I don't get up, I don't get to hit the button on the app later on that morning. And it's, it's amazing how much that little thing, it kind of seems almost silly, but that little reminder that that just seeing it visually for me has been huge as far as changing my behavior. 
You know, going back to what you were saying about the coaching industry, a great coach is this incredible gem that's capable of doing a, really a lot of things. Um, but they're also really in short supply, both in that you know it's hard to find, like find and have access and afford the best coaches. And then and even when you find one, they're not they're always there with you in the moment. And so when we work with coaches, we think, okay, the best the top thing that you do is the analysis. A person is coming to you, they're very complicated, they've got a lot going on in their lives, they've got um, a large number of goals, often somewhat contradictory. That's something where the in-person is very, very hard to replicate. But then once that coach has worked with you and kind of given, laid, laid out a plan for you, um, then you want the person to be able to act on that plan on their own. Um, that's where Lyft can be a, like a daily motivation and accountability tool and just kind of lay that out, lay that path out for, for a person once the coach has, um, you know, once they've, once they've left the coach's office. Yeah, I, I actually would agree with that entirely. You know, Lyft certain, I mean, when you start up the Lyft app, it, it's a blank screen. Um, so you, you have to decide what it is that you're going to track as your habits. And either you've done a lot of thinking on that yourself, hopefully, or someone else has helped you to provide some clarity and in an ideal world, a little bit of both. And, and I know that I struggled with the sleep, you know, getting enough sleep. And so that's something that I'm thinking, man, that's, that's the first thing that needs to go on the list. And it's helped a whole bunch. I love that you said that because I think when you ask someone what makes a great leader, you know, you might you might think about some you know book that you read on leadership, or you might or some biography that you read. And like, if you read the Steve Jobs autobiography, you might come away thinking that sort of the world of things that you might do to be a great leader is to like be really mean or give a lot of criticism. But actually, the more that we talk to leaders and entrepreneurs, the more we find people that consider work-life balance a core part of being a great leader in that you know you're constantly under the gun and you want to be your best during that those moments so it's not just how much work does a leader get done in the day but how good are they while they're getting that work done and that's where work you know the, the life balance comes into play I can completely relate to that because as I'm looking at my app right now that I've got on lift I've got seven daily habits that I've got listed here Tony and Six of them are what we would probably put in the personal slash life balance category, and only one of them really has anything directly to do with my professional work. So, um, but I know that if I do those six well, that I'm going to show up and be a better leader, a better host for the show, a better consultant to my clients because I'm going to have more energy. I'm going to be thinking sharp, and like that's huge for me, you know. Well, the, the science behind it actually ends up being really interesting. And I think you know, once you understand the science, it gets a lot easier to, uh, uh, to like, feel good about taking care of the little things. So um, I, you know, maybe we can post this in the show notes. Is it, uh, but there's a great article I read in the New York Times two years ago about decision fatigue. And I don't know if you saw this. This, but the anecdote it gave is that it did some research into judges in Israel who were responsible for granting parole. And it turns out that it's a big decision for them to say yes, to let someone out on parole. And, uh, and it also turned out in the data 
that right before lunch, in the hour before lunch and the hour before they left uh, for the day, they were 30% less likely to grant Pearl. And what the science says is actually that over the course of the day, they would wear themselves out by, you know, judging every case. And they would, it was actually, the meal would, would um, end up kind of replenishing them for a while. But, I mean, that's such a scary thing that here are these people who are clearly well-trained, clearly high-functioning people, but just physically their brain runs out of ability to make decisions at some point. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And uh, scary, especially in that kind of a position of thinking about the implications of that. But, so if, if that's true for them, and here they're in this like you know clearly important role, it's, it, it mean, what that means is it's clear for the rest of us. And so there's this framework that we've used for uh, for leaders, for people that are ambitious or in you know really kind of high pressure situations, which is essentially the definition of the job of a leader. Is if you think about decision fatigue in terms of your own cognitive stamina, like you have a set number of decisions, big and small, that you can make in a day, you could say, well, I want to train myself to have even more stamina, but you actually also have the, this um, really easy win, which is to conserve your stamina. So all of the little decisions that you make during a day uh, drain your stamina, and if you can make something a habit, what that means is you don't have to think about that anymore and that that like serves your fuel conserves your stamina throughout the day so that you are when it's you know the end of the day and some crazy hr issue walks through the door that you're you're there you're present and you still have fuel in the tank to get the job done and you know my favorite anecdote from this actually comes from Steve Jobs which is you know he's kind of famous for for wearing a uniform every day that like if he were if he were still with us today he would be wearing a black turtleneck because that's what he wore yesterday and that's what he would wear tomorrow. Right. And so if you if you imagine his morning, like he got up and he picked up the black turtleneck hanging at on the or laying on a pile of other black turtlenecks. No decision necessary. Put that on. Put on his pants. Walked out the door. You know, very few decisions along the way. Whereas you know if you imagine what you and I might have done, we might have like considered five or six different outfits trying to figure out like does this shirt match these pants I can't remember my color theory today you know what should I do and so he's he would have been walking out the door five decisions ahead of us right he would with more fuel in his tank and we would have wasted it on a bunch of trivial decisions so he won like he improved his own leadership ability just by making something habitual and routine. And that's, I mean, that's a lesson, to me, that's actually the science underlying why these life balance issues are important, is that, you know, if you, if you're not negotiating with yourself every day to do these things that you know you want to do, then you have, that's energy that's freed up to do, to do your job. Oh, interesting. So yeah, you know, Funny you mentioned that because I read an article in Harvard Business Review. I wish I could remember who it was. It was someone who was a CEO of a pretty successful firm. And they talked about some of the daily habits they used. And one of the things that they said is don't waste time thinking about 
a lot about like what you're going to have for breakfast. Just have your set thing you do every morning and don't spend cognitive energy doing that. And that relates exactly to what you just said in the Steve Jobs example too. And I thought it was really fascinating, uh, you know, thinking that don't, don't, don't overthink stuff. Right. I mean, I think that's really one of the skills of, of great leaders and, you know, and it's back, it's backed up by the science and it's backed up by you know, a lot of the research that we did when we went out and we talked to um, leaders and entrepreneurs out here in Silicon Valley. So this actually is a great lead into us talking about some of what you've learned from your users, because I know you have a huge user base. Um, what are some of the things you've learned from your users about either best practices or setting habits or what not to do around on doing using some of those, uh, creating some of that stamina around habit forming? You know, Lyft ended up being very momentum-based, and that came out of kind of the world of positive psychology, which is an emerging field of research in psychology. And there's an example that I, that I like to give that is actually kind of relevant, again, to um, the brain science here, but it's a skill that we actually we spotted from our users. It's... Um, for some reason, meditation became this really popular uh, performance uh, practice out here. So my parents were married by their Tai Chi teacher. So like I think of meditation as this very spiritual, you know, hippy-dippy kind of thing. Uh-huh. But then I started running into all of these hyper-rational Silicon Valley startup people who are saying, well, no, meditation is how you build up a stronger mind and have control of your own focus in a really chaotic world. And they didn't care about the spiritual side of it at all. So we did some research into meditation. And what we heard from the people that were failing to pick up meditation as a practice was that they they always told the exact same story. They would say, well, you know, I sat down to meditate and all I wanted to do was just sit there for 30 minutes and have a clear mind, a perfectly clear mind. And the thing that's really funny about that is anyone who actually knows anything about meditation knows that nobody has a clear mind. The whole point of meditation is actually a practice of recognizing when your mind has wandered and having something to bring it back to. So no, no first timer is going to sit down with a, a clear mind because frankly, you know, nobody, um, uh, you know, nobody gets there, you know, unless you're talking to some you know, like full-time Buddhist monk kind of person. And uh, and I think of that category of, per- of person, the person that's failing as this person that wants overnight success. They say, well, like, you know, I've decided to be great at this, so I should be great on my first try. And then we went and we researched the people that were succeeding at meditation, people that had really long streaks, that had been doing it, that had started as beginners and and gone on for months and months. And we asked them, well, when you started, how long, how long did you sit for? And they say, oh, almost always two to three minutes, right? There's this huge difference between starting at 30 minutes and starting with two minutes. And then, and then we asked them, well, now that you're three months into this, uh, you know, does your mind still wander or is it still kind of a struggle to keep a clear mind? And the vast majority of people said, oh, yeah, it's a, it, is, um, it is still a struggle. It was like night and day. The people that were failing just had completely unrealistic expectations about overnight success. And the people that were succeeding 
were, were people that really understood the power of momentum. That if you could start small and be, make something consistent, make the practice uh, consistent, that you could, over time, build that into a really successful practice. And, you know, this is almost my favorite part of our job at Lyft is exposing the practices that successful people use. Because, you know, you run into some sort of genius level talent, some really smart person, and you think, oh, well, they were born that way. But if you actually knew them and you actually got to watch them for, for the decade that led up to that day that you met them, you would, you would see that they practiced. They got there by practice. And it's actually one of our investors uses a phrase that I really like, which is, it took him 10 years to become an overnight success. And you yeah. know, that's really, that, that's telling. You know, I, gosh, I so relate to what you're saying because, yeah. it, you know, it's when you hear about people who are overnight successes, almost always there's a story of what they spent nine years doing that nobody noticed, or it's not really something that's sustainable. And it's, uh, you know, I, I relate to what you're saying here just with starting this show. Originally, when I started the show, I had no idea what I was doing, Tony. You know, we, uh, I put together the show, I started doing it once a week, and I just made the commitment like, hey, I can air a show once a week. And but that commitment, that habit over time really forced me to get better at what I was doing. And I know I'm better now than I was the first time I aired the show. But that consistent habit that that kind of that setting those low expectations at the beginning for myself allowed me to really make progress over a period of time. That's great news. I think you could say like the good news is is like good news, bad news, actually. The good news is that anyone can do this. And the bad news is that you're going to have to get off the couch and do the work. Yeah. Right. But to me, I just find that is a, a really optimistic observation that you can start small. Everyone who does it starts small and builds it up into something bigger. And I, you know, frankly, I'm super impressed with your podcast because it's so hard to get all the way to the hundredth episode, and here you are—you've blown up right past that, right? That level of commitment—it just like it grows and grows, and you probably have such a bigger audience and so many more opportunities coming now after after so much practice and had so much time spent on it. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Tony. It it, it is. I assume. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, the audience has grown substantially since this show started. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because sometimes people will say, well, what would you do differently? And um, I guess if I was going to, I don't know if I do anything differently looking back. I suppose, you know, there's people out there who launch podcasts and do it really successfully in the first, you know, couple of weeks and, you know, just have a great marketing plan pulled around it. And I just never did. I, ju- I just grew slowly and steadily as time went on. And I'm actually kind of glad it did go that way because I made all my mistakes <laughs> when no one was listening. You know? uh, so, uh, which is funny because I just put up this pot uh, this catalog of all the old shows and I was like, oh man, I just made it a lot easier for people to get to the earlier episodes that aren't as good. <laughs> so, no, but, but here's the secret. Those people that launched a great marketing plan on a podcast on week one of their podcast, that's not the first marketing plan they've done, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they, like their progression, their career progression, their skill progression. It just it turns out that that all happened before you'd ever heard of their podcast. And and that's I mean that's really the thing about these overnight successes is just like do the work, do the work. But I'm curious from your perspective, how does all of this relate to leaders? Like you know, new managers, people. Um, who are trying to lead their organization? Uh, 
what we're saying right now, like, how does that resonate for you based on what you're hearing from, from your audience? Yeah, I think a couple of things resonate, Tony. I think one of them is the, you know, what, what is called work-life balance in most circles. So for me, it's the, it's the trying to get some sense of balance in what you're doing. And I think it's very, very common for a lot of people, certainly in this community and leaders I've worked with over the years, that when you get into a, a management role or working with the team for the first time, that has the potential to really become very overwhelming and all-consuming. And to the point where sometimes people are a year or two into that, and they haven't really thought about how they're taking care of their health, family, and and until things really start to become problems um, as far as some of those other areas of their lives. So that resonates with me really strongly. It's like, what can people do on the front end to really set good habits that they're going to stay with them through their careers? But then the other piece of this, I think, is you know a lot of leadership skills for me, I mean, a lot of things I talk about in the show, I don't think they're really rocket science. Um, I think the bigger challenge for most people is um, com- is making it common practice. You know, common knowledge just isn't common practice. So we all know that it makes sense to spend a few minutes a day talking to, you know, all of our employees, or at least a few minutes a week talking to employees. We know that it makes sense to spend time to listen to people and listen to their concerns. We know it makes sense to give someone positive feedback and to recognize someone for the actions that they've taken that have been effective in the work. It's just that a lot of times we don't remember to do it until it becomes review time. And all of a sudden, it's been a year since we've had a real conversation with someone. And so I think that that's where some of the things you talk about as far as heuristics and working that you know working that into our day is key, especially for new managers. And this might even lead us into the management by heuristics conversation because I know you've done a lot of thinking on that and just you know what are some of the habits that you know can be built refined shared that would that would really support that uh, that's great I love that that bit about you know common practice you know it's one thing to intellectually decide what sort of manager you want to be but then that second thing is you know how do you become that person and that's really why we thought something like Lyft should exist is like People are training themselves up in habits. There's coaching plans now in Lyft around productivity and kind of habits of thought for people in business so that when you intellectually decide you want to be something, you know, we, something like Lyft can help you get there. Um, but, you know, as we were kind of prepping for the show together, the thing that really stuck out in my mind is, well, what are the habits for me that made me a better leader? And... I think that like the number one thing was just having kind of bedrock principles that I believe in so that I'm not constantly trying to negotiate or um, negotiate with myself or kind of reinvent the wheel uh, on the fly. And, you know, so you know, there's a couple and I'm curious, like I'll give you my like top one that really is might be a little bit too tech-centric, but I'm curious what it sparks for you. But for me, uh, the, the first one I really got clear on is that I believe when we're building a product, we should be continuously deploying changes to that pl- product out to everyone. It's not that we should do a new product release every year or every six months. We should be doing it several times a day. And 
this is you know relatively new but also a pretty popular view of the world right now. There's a book, The Lean Startup, that espouses this sort of stuff, and um, and so so to like take this back to why this is an important heuristic is in the past an engineer might come to me and say, Tony, I really think we should. Uh, build this you know, big subsystem. It'll probably take me six months to build, but once we've done it, life will be awesome. And as a manager, having watched a lot of projects you know, kind of get launched and actually a, a surprisingly number, high number of them end up failing, like, I don't want to know, six, I don't want to waste six entire months only to find out that we built something that no one really wanted. What I'd like to know is, like, can this be carved out into something that you launch today and then add on to tomorrow and then add on more to next week and then maybe the whole thing gets built over six months, but we're seeing that progression every day. And so my characteristic is that, like, the way to build products is through continuous uh, deployment and continuous delivery. And so now, because I have that heuristic, anytime I get a, a question along the lines of, hey, can we just build this really big thing? It'll be done in two months. I, I know my answer. No. I don't have to judge the value of what you're suggesting. I don't have to get deep into the, um, the pros and cons of it. Because I just know at, at root, I have this other philosophy. And the whole company and the whole, my whole organization is trained to think along those lines, and then, which kind of gets to the second benefit of having a heuristic, is that as a manager and as a leader, it's not actually your job to make all of the decisions. I know there's, there's this outdated view that a great leader is someone who makes decisions quickly, because that allows them to make all, like nearly all of the decisions for their organization. In fact, this has been pretty widely debunked. A great leader is someone that can uh, empower the people around them to make decisions you know, on, for themselves. And so if you have a heuristic, there you go, that's your answer. When someone asks you to make some tiny niche decision, will you just tell them again what your heuristic is, what your philosophy is, and, they, and that, then they're empowered to just decide for themselves and they don't have to come to you for every little decision. That's, the, that's mine. Did, it, did that prompt anything for you? Oh, yeah. I'm First of all, I agree with you 100% on the role of the leader is to really empower others to be making those decisions and 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 to uh, and to facilitate that. So yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, I think that you know for for me, I mean, one of the things you know, I'm always thinking, for example, like when I'm thinking about something for this show is is this something that's actionable that people can use immediately? That's one of the values I try to center around the show is there something people can put into practice immediately it's going to help them to do their work better and if the answer to that's yes boom you know that's a good topic for the show to address if the answer is no then you know either that's something I need to rethink or it's not the right topic for the show because I want something that people can use immediately um so yeah that that resonates a lot which is my decision making on the show and and also I'm thinking too I know I know there are times that I make decisions I shouldn't be involved in with teams I'm working on. And, uh, and I need to adopt more of that, Tony, of saying, hey, you know, have, have a better heuristic around some of those things that just are not essential for me to be involved in the decision process. Because I, I've had a few times in the last month or two where someone's come to me 
with something that I'm like, why are they asking me about this? This is just a minor, minor, minor decision. And the reason they're asking me is because I've made that decision before. And so the um, so that's really coaching for me as a leader of saying, okay, I need to I need to be real careful about what I decide to decide on and what I don't decide to decide on. And having some boundaries and some heuristics of how I'm going to do that would further define would really be helpful. And I think of every time I can come up with a heuristic for myself, I almost I feel like that's a, a new superpower or a level up for me because that's a whole category of work that I don't have to do anymore because it's just it's pre-decided. And I mean that I find that just really fun and cool and then you know I know when I when I teach one of these to my team like they, they not only do they like having control of their own destiny in a way that they didn't have before. It's also, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Like everyone wants to know why, you know, why are they doing the work that they're doing? And your sort of standard management and standard corporate structure is that you're doing work, but you don't really know, have the full picture of why. And, you know, that's the other part that I like about that. And, you know, a heuristic is just a habit. It's a habit of thinking. And that, you know, and it really, once you pick one of these, it can become really uh, ingrained. Um, I'm curious, when you were kind of uh, riffing there about your own management, like what, what's a category of decisions that you're, you're still making but you think you could kind of delegate to if you had the right philosophy? Hmm, I'm trying to think if they would fall into one bucket. I think it's it's... So part of my job over the years is working on a team where we've defined some pretty pretty robust policies, procedures for working with at least one really large client uh, nationwide. And so I've needed to kind of be the, uh, sometimes the traffic cop of like, okay, we're allowed to do this, we're not allowed to do that, and kind of teach and coach others in the organization on how to do that. Um, so what's I think what's changed for me is sort of everyone already knows that now. But I've not made that transition to really empowering people to make that decision for themselves. So my role has changed as the amount of education and awareness in the organization has increased, but my activities haven't necessarily followed with that role, if that makes sense. Right. It does make sense because it's, what it's pointing to is you know, the progression, how, how big a role these play in, in your own career progression. Like as you move up as your organization gets bigger, you know, as you kind of, as a manager moves up to be a higher and higher level manager, like these are the things that allow them to move up to the next level. Yeah. And it's probably the biggest stumbling block for most people, especially the people, Tony, I know in our community that have moved into management roles and a lot of times they've moved into that role because they were the best at what they did in their previous position. And now they're supervising someone that doesn't do that job quite as well, and in some cases, substantially less well than they did. And all of a sudden, they're pulled into a lot of those situations, and they've got to make some decisions on, you know, am I going to get really still involved in doing my old job? Uh, or am I going to really take the role of a leader and, a, and of a manager and to empower that person to develop and to learn and to be a coach and a mentor. And I think for a lot of people, that's a real struggle at the beginning. And many people make the choice consciously or unconsciously to kind of step back into their old role and do their old role for a while still. And um, and I've certainly had that happen to me. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of us. 
Definitely, it's a challenge. I mean, it's jarring. It's a it, you go from being you know an expert to really being confident that you know what you're doing at all times to really being in a, a role where obviously you're not going to be confident at the beginning because you're a beginner. And you know, one of the secrets of leadership is it's actually really hard to be authentically confident all the time because you're often looked to as the person to make a decision when there's not enough information to make a decision. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, it's it's hard. It's really hard. This is why I think it's good for podcasts like this and for just to have your own network of people. I think one of the one of the things that really puts me at ease is to talk to other entrepreneurs and realize that, you know, none of us really know what's going on most of the time. You know, and we're, it's a, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in this role. And, you know, that's normal. And I think for me, just knowing that, that that's normal makes me more comfortable and more, more centered. Because, you know, of the things that are a drain on your ability as a leader, certainly anxiety is, is one of the top ones. Yeah, for sure. And, and so I, I'm guessing there's probably some people listening like, okay, I've got it. You know, the heuristics, that's, that's, a, that's a key thing I can help to pick up some efficiency. The Doing some of these regular habits, that's a key thing. So let's put the rubber on the road here a little bit and look at, okay, let's say someone says, all right, I want to try this. What's the best way to get started, Tony? Like, wh- what's the best first step? I mean, obviously, you know, with Lyft, it's, you know, downloading the app, but how should someone approach this? Yeah, it's a just take a moment and think, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And what are, what are the, you know, the simple steps that you can start on today that will give you some momentum? So we hinted at one today, which is work-life balance. What is something that's, because it's not settled, it's not part of your routine, that's actually really causing chaos in your life? And for me, the difference between this company and the last company is the last company I started at it was not consistent at exercising. So I just got more and more unhealthy and more and more kind of frustrated about that. But whereas with this company, I was actually very consistent about exercise and I use Lyft, of course, to make it a routine. And now that's a part of my life that's pretty well settled. And that's kind of the work-life balance uh, tactic. And if you were to download Lyft or uh, you can use Lyft from the web as well, that um, you know, we have this huge directory of uh, goals, which are a mix of right now of coaching plans that walk you step by step, and uh, habits which you, uh, which we help you track and hold yourself accountable for. You, know, you just pick from the ones there that kind of resonate for you. The other is to think about you know the kind of the skill development of a leader, and you know every time you decide on a heuristic, as you say, you know you have you have to then make it common practice. And so that's something you can add yourself into Lyft as something that you want to hold yourself accountable for. And then in the world of skills, there's actually there's starting to be more and more coaching plans in Lyft, which are the kind of the new world of features that we've added recently, where uh, a coach with some expertise and experience in, in their area has laid out for you um, a progression of steps that you should take to, be, to master some skill. And it could be, uh, there's a lot of productivity, there's definitely a lot of work-life balance. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, pick one of those up and 
uh, and just know you're going to get prompted every day with uh, something that you can do to work on your own self-improvement. Tell me one other thing. Uh, you know, This is a free service right now. What's the long-term business model? Or are you eventually going to charge people for using Lyft? Or is there some sort of... Um, what's the long-term plan as far as how you plan to fund things? It's such a great question because obviously Lyft is being, is being used very valuably for just a ton of people. And so the question they should all be asking is, you know, are we going to be around tomorrow? I think we're really fortunate, or I think of myself as particularly fortunate in that our, our investors all made money in companies that focused on doing something valuable first and then, um, and then figured out a way to make money later. And so, you know, probably half of our investors were some, in some way involved in Twitter. And Twitter didn't make any money for the first four or five years that they were around. And so that's like, that's just kind of one of these odd, like it's almost a cliche in Silicon Valley that uh, these companies get started without um, any business model. And that's kind of, that's the backstory for us. But my, the, my longer term goal is that, look, we're doing something really valuable and we're going to find a way to charge people directly. We're not going to secretly sell your data to some advertiser. No, we're, we're, we have products coming that people will find valuable and we'll find some way down the road to charge for them. But I think the things that you see today, they're free today and I think they're going to remain free for uh, possibly forever, but definitely for the foreseeable future. Awesome. And for folks who want to get on and start using it right away, what's the best way to get started uh, for folks on smartphones and then folks who maybe just want to tap it on the web? You know, we have an iPhone app, we have a web app, we have an Android app coming very shortly. Probably the best way is just to go to our website, lift.do, lift.do. There'll be a link for the iPhone version, there'll be a link for the web version. And uh, you know, possibly when this gets released, there could even be a link for the Android version. Tony, great conversation. I'm really excited for what you're doing. And I love the integration of technology and the people side of this. And uh, I'm just really excited to keep our dialogue going and learn how our community can support what you're up to, because I think it's some really cool stuff. Dave, thank you so much. Tony Stubblebein is the CEO and co-founder of Lyft. You heard Tony and I speaking about the coaching plans that Lyft is now utilizing as part of their community of asking subject matter experts to go on and produce and create coaching plans that others can then utilize. The way that these work is that if you join a coaching plan on your Lyft app or in your website or your account each day, a habit shows up in that plan that gets you to a larger objective. My original uh, thought when we were recording this and you heard in the conversation with Tony was to uh, talk with some of you in the community here and those of you who use Lyft already and are going to start using it as a result of the show, and I hope you do check it out, um, was to then create one that would be helpful to this community. Well, Tony and I talked afterwards and he gave me some great coaching and said, hey, you know, you should just build it right away rather than waiting for people to give you feedback on it. And you can always create another one later. So I have gone ahead and created a Lyft coaching plan that is now live on the uh, Lyft community. And it is called 30 Days to Be a More Respected Manager. So if that is something that is a goal for you and this using the Lyft app or the website sounds like something that would be of value to you, I would really encourage you to check this out. 
I just put it together in the last week, put a whole bunch of resources in there, things you can do for 30 days that will help you to be a more respected manager, lots of links, articles, videos, things that will help you to get there. And so if that sounds like something that is of interest to you, go to coachingforleaders.com slash lift plan. So again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash lift plan, and that will take you right to that um, right to that coaching plan. If you're already a member of Lyft, it'll take you right there. If you're not, of course, you'll need to sign up for a Lyft account, which is free to do, as Tony mentioned. And the main Lyft page, of course, is at lift.do, not .com. It's lift.do, which is a good, actually a good name to remember what Lyft is about. It's about action. So I hope that you'll join onto that coaching plan. I am starting mine today. And I'm going to be working on becoming a more respected manager myself. And so I would love to have you join in, jumping on the conversation there online and be part of that coaching plan. And many of the other resources, including the link to the coaching plan, are here on the show notes. The best way to get to that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash 115. That's where you can get all these resources, including that article that Tony mentioned. I was able to look at, locate that and get it up here on the website. And of course, if you have comments, questions, or feedback about this episode, you can go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's a great way to provide feedback. And of course, the comments and the discussion for this episode, coachingforleaders.com slash 115. Hey, before I let you go, um, I do, uh, by the way, hope that you'll join that coaching plan. I'd love to stay connected with those of you already using Lyft, and I hope a bunch more of you join. And if you do decide to uh, sign up for Lyft, uh, please do follow me and drop me a note. Let me know that you're part of the Coaching for Leaders community. I would love to follow you as well and give you props when you're uh, doing great things with your habits. There's a bunch of us online already that are kind of going back and forth and giving each other encouragement when we're keeping to our habits. And so I'd love to do the same for you. So please do join in. Hey, a huge thank you to those who've subscribed to my weekly update this past week. You'll probably remember if you've listened to the show before, I publish an article each week and other resources that will give you a booster shot between shows on how to lead better by giving you some advice on improving your communication, human relations, and personal productivity. A lot of the things we talk about on this show as well. If you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll also get instant access to my video overview and a guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. And also, a huge thank you to the person who's named, uh, let's see, Crazy Dude 80 Hey, Crazy Dude 80 thanks for the kind written review you left on iTunes. Hey, you know, this is actually, speaking of good habits, this is a great way that more people find out about the show, helps to continue to grow the community of the show, and to get more questions and topics from the community. If this show's been at all valuable to you, uh, something you could do for me I would so appreciate it is take a moment this week to hop on either to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a written review. That's really helpful on other people finding the show and utilizing it as a resource. And you can get there either by going to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes if you're an iTunes user, or if you listen on Stitcher, you can do that at coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. Hey, I hope you have a great week. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash lift plan. If you want to join in on that 30 days to be a more respected manager, today's day one for me. Talk to you this week online. Take care.